Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the BHITB podcast. I'm your host, Dante Fortson. So today we're going to continue our discussion. This is Satan's America. And we're going to get a little bit farther today. Every time I think we're going to get further in, we don't get as far as, far as I'd like, but everything I'm touching on is very important. So we're just going to take our time and get through everything. We're not going to rush it. So I do have a question from uh, – I got a question on YouTube. I don't approve all the YouTube comments. And just so everybody out there knows, if you leave a comment, it has to be approved before it gets posted. And the reason I do that is because people – I've watched the Teo channel and some of the other channels. People like to come post a lot of false doctrine, which stirs up a lot of stuff. So I don't allow false doctrine to be posted on any of my platforms, on my website, none of that. So when you post to the website, everything has to be approved before you see the comment. But the question was, why do you attack the camp so much? And my answer to that is I attack false doctrine, period. So if the camps are teaching false doctrine, that's not my fault. They should stop teaching false doctrine. I'm just going to point it out. And as Teo has said, and I say too, I believe that they are cointel pro op. I believe that they are put there to hold our people back and to discredit the movement because there's a lot of false teaching coming out of the camps. Not every single camp teaches the same thing, but the false teachings I point out, if the camp is associated with that false teaching, you should avoid it. I mean, if you don't want to avoid it, that's up to you. Um, same thing, I called out Rob Skiba's name yesterday on yesterday's show. Rob Skiba teaches a false doctrine that black people carry the Nephilim gene, even though he teaches from the Book of Enoch, which says that the children of the Nephilim had white skin. So, yeah, I'm going to call that a false doctrine, too. And the rest is convoluted doctrine. So if you're following people like Rob Skiba, who teach this false nonsense of a Nephilim gene, I'm going to call that out. I called out Arnold Murray, uh, Dennis Murray, Shepherd's Chapel, uh, Christian Identity. They teach this false white supremacist doctrine. And... As we've seen, every, everything I've touched on has shown it to be false, so I'm going to call that out. And then I've also touched on the serpent seed briefly. We have false teachers like Zen Garcia and Joy Pugh out there teaching this false um, narrative that, that Satan impregnated Eve in the garden, and they completely disregard Genesis 4.1, and then they come up with the um, contrived argument of, uh, well, why doesn't Cain appear in Adam's genealogy in Genesis chapter 5? The argument is, is ridiculous because... Cain has his own genealogy in Genesis chapter 4, starting at 4, verse 1. It says Adam is his father. And then Seth has his own separate genealogy in Genesis chapter 5. And we'll see that's consistent because today we're going to start getting into the sons of Noah. And we'll see that each of the sons has their own genealogy. You don't find Ham in the genealogy of Shem, and you don't find Japheth in the genealogy of Ham. I mean, it's a completely separate thing. And so, yes, I'm going to address all false doctrines. I don't just address the camps, but I will address the camps. And, yeah, hopefully that answers the question of why I attack the camps so much. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe here on YouTube uh, and Twitter. And if you have not subscribed to the BlackHistoryInTheBible.com website yet, go there. You get your free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity. All right, so let's pick up from where we left off in the last podcast. Oh, and one more thing. If you're looking for the notes, uh, last episode was episode 17. Go on BlackHistoryInTheBible.com, find uh, BHITB Podcast, Episode 17, and you'll pull up the notes from there. Some people had questions about the Nephilim and the fallen angels and angels being able to have sex and all that stuff. There are a ton of links that I dropped in the YouTube description and in the show notes on the website. So if you want links to all that stuff, there's about, 
I want to say about 10 to 15 studies. I know it's more than 10, so maybe about 15 studies that I've done on the subject over the years. The links to all of those are posted. So if you're if you really want to dive into that, you'll have a full days or more worth of studies to get into. All right. So now let's get into um, today's lesson. So uh, the last episode I mentioned um, that the ancient alien theories are teaching about the abductions and you know, stuff like that, alien abductions. We have the gods, we have the angels, and we have all these different stories. I want to clarify that I do not believe that the um, aliens are actually aliens, but fallen angels posing as aliens based on the information we have, which you'll read in some of those links. And to further that, I believe that the people who do the ancient alien series are trying to apply um, man's knowledge to spiritual matters without having the context of the Bible or Really, they disregard the context of the Bible because they do use the Bible, but they completely disregard everything the Bible says in order to put their own spin on it. Because if you listen to the Bible and all the other mythologies that they go over, the, the beings that they're talking about, whether they believe they're aliens or whatever they believe they are, the, every story is consistent that these beings were kidnapping rapists. And ancient aliens is basically praising these beings and excited about these, these civilization of kidnapping rapists, you know, making contact with others. So let's get into the division stuff. This is this is going to come out today. Uh, we're talking about the sons of Noah. So division. People always talk about this subject matter causes division. And mostly European Christians say this. They say, well, you know, this this stuff only divides. Ask yourself why they say this causes division. Now, it didn't. They don't say it causes division when they see uh, Mel Gibson cast a uh, um, tanned European actor to play Christ. They don't say that causes division, but if you say he's black, Christ was black, then they say, oh, that causes division. If you say Christ looked Middle Eastern or olive, they don't say that causes division. They will say, oh, if you say he's black, it causes division. So they, what they really mean is that they are a racist, and if you teach a black Christ, they don't want to be associated with you. That's what it comes down to, right? Because many of them will admit, if you, if you talk to many European Christians, they will admit that they know Christ is not white, right? And yet they sit silent whenever they see a white depiction of Christ. They don't say that causes division. They don't say, hey, that's false. That's, that's uh, misleading. They don't give you any kind of warning. But as soon as you start teaching that these people are black, then they want to speak up. They don't mind when they cast white Egyptians, uh, cast people, white people to play Egyptians, even though we know for a fact Egyptians were black and lived in Africa. They don't speak up about this stuff. It, the only time they get vocal is when you say Christ is black, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, well, race doesn't matter to me, but – there's always a but. Race doesn't matter. His color doesn't matter, but he wasn't black. He wasn't white. He was this color, even though the Bible describes him as burned bronze, which is one more thing that I want to touch on. The Bible describes him as burned bronze, which we went over. So ask yourself why European Christians don't give that as a description. You will most often hear them say he was brown, Middle Eastern, or olive, right? Not, not bronze, not copper. None of the words we went over, none of the examples that uh, we saw. So there, there's a racial component there as to why they behave this way. And as far as the division part of it, and the reason I'm giving this is because of what we're about to jump into. Christ said the following in Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. He says, suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house, house divided, 
three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. So when they say this causes division, so what? Keep teaching it. Keep talking about it anyway. It doesn't matter because what did Christ say? He came to cause division. And the most divisive thing he could do is be born on this planet with black skin and be the savior because we live in a, a world where the enemy has set up a version. Well, the enemy has really set up not even a version. He set up white supremacy. And when I say the enemy, I don't mean white people. I'm talking about Satan, the, the real enemy, behind the scenes working all this stuff. White supremacy has been set up because the real enemy knows that the Messiah is black. And so because the system of white supremacy is set up the way it is, many white people will not bow to a black savior because white supremacy is done if you have a black savior. You can't say you're, you're supreme when you have a black savior that chose a black people, and then your scriptures say that they are chosen above all other people on the earth. It's done after that, right? So, so you just have to look at the false things being taught. So let's jump into Noah. So Noah was 500 years old when he had Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Genesis chapter 5, verse 32. Go read that for yourself. Don't forget Acts 17, 11. So the traditional thinking on the origin of nations goes like this. Japheth um, is the origin of European and Asians. Shem is the origin of Hebrews and Arabs. And then Ham is the origin of Africans. This is the traditional European church teaching, um, which a lot of us have grown up in if you were involved in Christianity or well, I'll say Eurocentric Christianity before um, you came to understand who we are as a people. And even if you weren't brought up in it, you were still exposed to it because that's basically uh, the mainstream teaching in general um, is that this is how the, the world was spread. Japheth, Europeans and Asians, Shem, Arabs and, um, Arabs and Hebrews, Ham, Africans, right? So let's start with Ham. Now, the word Ham, or uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, it's spelled C-H-A-M in Hebrew. I am horrible when it comes to accents. I butcher them, so yeah, excuse me on that. But Ham is C-H-A-M in Hebrew. It means warm or hot. In Egyptian, the name means black, right? So you'll hear in some European churches, they'll tell you that the, ham, the name Ham means brown or burnt. It's not that far off from the truth, but in Egypt, it means black. That's where they get their interpretation from. In Hebrew, it means warm or hot. And it makes sense because Ham was living in Africa, and we'll get down to it, but Egypt is called the land of Ham. It's hot there, it's warm there, and it's full of black people. So all descriptions are correct. So the problem is, and this works more for the enemy than it than it does for us. It works in his favor, is that the descendants of Ham and the descendants of Shem look alike. But we're not going to jump ahead. Just so you know, the, the descendants of Ham and the descendants of Shem look alike. And so when you hear um, when you hear Europeans say that you know black people are this or black people are that or black people were cursed or black people descended from here it's because they don't know how to differentiate us um, for whatever reason they can't tell us apart like I can tell when I'm around somebody who's African versus somebody who is um, a black American I'll say that and I can tell somebody who's Ethiopian from somebody who's um, African and we can we can tell each other apart now Jamaicans, 
usually need an accent to tell us apart because if Jamaicans get around American blacks and we're all mixed into a group together, we, we can we can pass for each other fairly easy because we're all interrelated. We're all Hebrews. So it becomes easy for us, and it's hard for them because we look alike, which is why, as we'll see as we go through this, the Hebrews would run to Africa to escape uh, whenever they were persecuted by the Europeans or by Edomites, uh, like what Herod did. They'd run to Africa to escape because they could blend in, and they know that those people can't tell us apart. So they just figured, oh, they're all black people. So let's get into this. Uh, you have Noah's flood. Uh, we talked about the Nephilim. And we're going to skip to after the flood is over. We're going to go straight to Genesis 9 and talk about the curse on Ham because, as I pointed out before, there's a doctrine forming. This doctrine that America runs on is formed out of the um, early chapters of uh, manipulating the early chapters of Genesis from a European perspective. And, again, I believe that that is the true enemy, Satan, behind all this. And I'm reading from Genesis 9, 21 to 23. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. All right, so let's, let's just break this down, right? So here's, here's where a lot of false doctrine stems from. So Noah built this vine- or grew this vineyard and drank the wine, right? Now, if you go Google how long it takes for wine to, to grow or grapes to grow on the vine, and then he has to go through the whole fermenting process. So this is years. This is, this is years after the flood that this occurred. Now, it says Noah was uncovered in his tent, right? So people assume that Ham did this. They automatically assume that it's Ham that did this for whatever reason. But it points out that Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. So Ham saw the nakedness, but it points out Canaan. Now remember, Ham has four children. We're going to get into these four children later on. But Ham has four children, but it specifically singles out Canaan to mention. So this points me to believe that Canaan was involved. Ham saw what happened, and Ham went out and told his brothers, like, what should I do type of thing. They went in and covered him up. Now, the Bible does not say that Ham uncovered his father's nakedness. The Bible does not say that he had sex with his mother. That's, that's one false theory that they push out there. They say, well, Ham had sex with his mother, and I'm going to tell you why they say that. Um, the Bible does not say that he had sex with Noah. Some people believe that he had sex with Noah. Uh, the Bible does not say that he castrated Noah. That is another teaching that floats around where people contrive all kind of stuff out of these verses that just isn't there. And we get to verse 24 to 25. It says, and Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. All right, so Noah curses Canaan with slavery to be a slave. This is how Europeans justified enslaving black people, because instead of reading the text where it says cursed be Canaan, they say, no, Ham was cursed, and therefore all black people were cursed. And since they don't differentiate the Hebrews that come from Shem from the black people that come from Ham – they say we're all cursed to be slaves under the curse of Ham, even though Ham was not cursed. 
not only does this work in their – this works in the enemy's favor because we look alike because then he can say, okay, you're not under the slavery curse because of Deuteronomy 28. You guys are under the slavery curse because of Genesis 9, 24 through 25, which is what a lot of the Eurocentric churches teach, and that's how they justified slavery. And also the, the reference to the younger son, what they don't talk about is the fact that the Bible, nowhere in it in uh, the King James Version, nowhere in it will you find the word grandson. They didn't use the word grandson. Their grandchildren were called their children. It was the same, and then the grandfathers were called the fathers. So him calling – him referring to the younger son can refer to his grandson, Canaan. So this is, this is something that is um, – that you won't catch unless you're kind of familiar with the language and how it works. Also, if you read through um, the other scripture, I didn't pull it up because it just came to mind right now. But there's one point where Abraham calls Lot his brother even though Lot is his nephew because there's um, – you don't see the words niece and nephew in there either. I'll put it that way. So go do some digging. You'll see that how language is used. You never see the words grandson or grand, uh, grandfather, any of that. Um, so – the reason they say that Noah, I'm sorry, yeah, Noah was mad was because Ham had sex with his mother. This comes from where it says Noah was uncovered. He was, it says he was uncovered within his tent. Now they go to Leviticus 18.7. The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness, right? And then it goes on to say the nakedness of your mother is the nakedness of your father. So the Bible has no problem with calling the nakedness of the mother the nakedness of the mother. It, it says, you know, the nakedness of the mother. And I just want to drive that point home because they try to twist it and say, oh, well, if it says they uncovered the father, it really means he uncovered the mother. Why not just say they uncovered the mother? They said it in this other place. They could have just said it here. But that's not what happened. It says Noah was uncovered in his tent. And it says he knew what his younger son had done to him. And he proceeds to curse Canaan. So when you're consistent with Scripture and you understand that the younger son can be the grandson, you understand that Noah was uncovered, you understand that whatever happened happened to Noah, Ham was not cursed. He did not curse Ham. If, he, if Ham had done it, I believe Ham would have been the recipient of the curse. But to further drive home that this is a false teaching when you encounter it, it says Ham saw. This is strong 7200. Strong's number 7200 is ra'ah. It means to see, appear, become visible. Ham saw the nakedness of his father. But the verse in Leviticus that they try to use to justify their um, destruction of the context of the scripture, the word in, uh, in Leviticus is uncover, which uses strong's one five four zero. You can look that up yourself. It is gala, which means uncover, remove, or expose. So two different Hebrew words are used, but Moses wrote both books. So you would think that if Moses was not trying to cause confusion, he would have used the same exact word when it says Ham saw the nakedness of his father. Instead, it would have said Ham uncovered the nakedness or Ham gala the nakedness of his father. Instead, he uses ra'ah, which means to see or appear, which means he was trying to get the point across that Ham saw this, but Ham was not the one that did it. We can get from the context that it was likely Canaan that did whatever he did. And again, the story doesn't give us the context or the full details of what exactly happened, uh, but whatever it was, it was enough for Noah to curse him to be a slave and his descendants to be slaves. So you, it is, to me, as a father, there is nothing my daughter could do to me 
that would make me curse my grandchildren to be slaves. My grandchild would have to commit some kind of offense towards me in order for me to curse them directly to be slaves. I would never curse my daughter and all her children to be slaves. So it, it has to be it has to be something huge that happened. So I don't know what it was. I'm not even going to speculate. So we talk about let's talk about the facts of the story real quick. Noah planted a vineyard, grew grapes. Noah got drunk on wine. Noah fell asleep. Noah was seen naked by Ham. Ham told his brothers that Noah was naked. Shem and Japheth covered their eyes, and then they covered Noah. Noah woke up from his drunkenness and realized what happened, and then Noah cursed Canaan. Those are the facts from the story. Anything outside of that, people are contriving. So when they tell you that, that Ham went in and raped his dad or raped his mom or got his mom pregnant and she bare Canaan, like it's, it's so many different doctrines, false doctrines that come out of this. But the key deception is that they try to replace the curse on Canaan to the curse of Ham so that they can justify enslaving black people here in America. So go down to um, – I'm going to jump down a little bit. So every aspect of Eurocentric Christian teaching is created to promote white supremacy and then reinforce Hebrew inferiority and then justify evil as if it was sanctioned by the Most High. Because now they can look at the book and say, oh, well, you guys were cursed to be slaves because Ham was cursed. So what we're doing is not wrong because you're under the curse of the Most High. Doesn't make it right. If you go through and read Joel 3, you see what happens to the people who enslave Israel. Doesn't matter if they did it by accident. If they weren't being terrible people in the first place, they never would have did it. That's just my opinion. So the descendants of Ham, um, Ham has four sons, I mentioned. You're going to have Put, uh, P-H-U-T. He, you will find his genealogy in Genesis chapter 10, by the way. And this is going to be everything I'm reading. And I'm not reading it in order. Uh, because it's, it's a very specific reading. I'm, uh, reason I'm going to you know, talk about the sons in the order that I am. But Ham is the second son's genealogy. Japheth is the first in Genesis 10. Ham is second, and then Shem is last. But we're going to start from Ham. So Ham has Put. And put becomes Libya, the Libyans. Now, Libya is mentioned throughout the Bible, and they talk about Cyrene. When you see the word Cyrene, C-Y-R-E-N-E, that is in Libya, Cyrene, Libya. Um, Then he has Mizraim, which means misery or bondage. That becomes Egypt. And he has Canaan. Canaan is the promised land, uh, which becomes the land of Israel. And then he has Cush, uh, which becomes Sudan and Ethiopia. Now, the mainstream teaching Eurocentric teaching is that black people come from Ham, right? So ask yourself. We already went over the Noah, but in their mind, Noah was either white or an albino, even though they don't want to talk about where where the albino part would come from, especially when they quote Enoch and it says that, you know, white skin was what the children of angels have. So Noah was a black albino, possibly, and he had, which means he can have black children, right? So this explains why Cush is black. Nobody, nobody disputes that Cush is black. This is never in dispute. But when you ask these same people, were the Canaanites black? Nope. Were the Egyptians black? No, they were dark-skinned Caucasians, or Egypt was a Caucasian nation. They, these are the explanations they give. Put, they say, no, Libyans aren't black, right? So you have this inconsistency in doctrine. Ham is black. Cush is black. But Canaan, the son of Ham, brother of Cush, is not black. Mizraim, son of Ham, brother of Cush, is not black. Put, son of Ham, brother of Cush, is not black. They have these inconsistencies. And then if you want to see a major inconsistency, the Ethiopians descend from Cush. 
everybody agrees that Ethiopians are not white people. They are not Caucasians. If you go look up the classification of Ethiopian, you can read this for yourself. Google it. They have Ethiopians classified as Caucasoid, Caucasians, because what they are trying to do is they're trying to set this false doctrine up to say that Egyptians were Europeans, Caucasians, Ethiopians are Caucasians. Basically, now they're trying to backtrack and say that, oh, wait, all these black, we can't say these black people come from Ham, because as we get further in, you're going to start to see that the Hebrews get mistaken for Hamites over and over and over again. There's several parts, uh, one, well, one verse in the Bible where God says, are ye not as children of the Ethiopians unto me? We're going to come back to that. So these nations are set up. These are black nations, and I'm going to start with Cush. Now, Cush becomes Sudan and Ethiopia. They settle around in that area. And Cush has a son. His name is Nimrod. Nimrod, Genesis 10:8. So Nimrod is the builder of Babel. And we see the beginning of his uh, empire is Babel. So what does that tell you? Babel was a Cushite empire. That means Babel was built by black people. Where is Babel located? Babel is located on the Arabian Peninsula, which is now modern-day Iraq. So when Europeans say, oh, well, these people were in the Middle East, and the Middle East isn't part of Africa, make them check again. Because as we explore history, we'll see that the Cushites settled this whole area, and the Cushites are in control. When God calls Abraham out of Babel, Abraham is living in a Cushite empire. But furthermore, when you see pictures of Nimrod, when they depict Nimrod in some kind of way, they always depict Nimrod as a Caucasian. Why is that? Because they don't want you to believe that black people were capable of building civilization. They, they have pushed this notion that we black, I'm, I'm lumping us all together now, is that black people are incapable of building civilization. So when you see the Egyptian civilization is huge and they built these monuments, they say, oh, well, black people couldn't do that because they were taught that. <coughs> Excuse me. So they say black people couldn't do that because they've been taught that we couldn't build civilization. We were incapable, and we needed them to civilize us. Or they say, um, well, all these people in the Bible had to be white, really. So why are you teaching that all the descendants of Ham are black? So let, let's move on to another example, right? So you have this whole situation that happens, right, with um, Cush and the Cushites building Babylon and then Abraham getting drawn out. I'm not going to jump to Abraham yet. So we're going to backtrack a little. Let's go back to the Egyptians, right? So the Egyptians build this, this huge civilization, this huge uh, monument, and they leave um, a culture, right, a whole Egyptian culture. Now, Egypt, they called themselves Kemet. Kemet means land of the blacks. So how is it now that Europeans are coming in and saying, oh, wait, the Egyptians are white, and that all the black people we see on the walls painting Egypt are really dark-skinned Caucasians? This doesn't make sense. And then you get to Canaan. Google this for yourself. Look up the Phoenicians. The Canaanites were eventually became called the Phoenicians. Look up the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians were black. So all these people that were running around the Middle East and they tell you that there's this light or olive-colored Middle East going on, that didn't happen until after the Greeks and Romans started invading. This whole place was black. And because this whole place was black, and it's important we understand that before we get to the other brothers, because Shem, the the – um, line the Hebrews come from They're going to start mixing in With the Hamites And even though the Bible says Shem and his descendants Well Shem's descendants 
mixed with Hamites, they still hold on to the notion that the that these people are Caucasian. You can't mix with Africans for over a thousand years and then tell me that these people were still full-blooded Caucasian. It just doesn't work like that, right? So if you really want to dig into Ham, um, go to BlackHistoryInTheBible.com. Read the article, Ham, the Origin of Black Africans and Black Arabs in the Bible, uh, because we're going to dig into more as we move on. And I'm going to, tomorrow I'm going to get into uh, Shem, and last we're going to get into Japheth, because Japheth is going to be the origin of Europeans, and we'll start to see that all of this stuff is going to start to come together, starting with Genesis 10. Um, and if you want to get a, a jump on Genesis 10, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis 9:27. there is a prophecy by God. It says, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Yeah, Japheth is the Europeans. Remember what I said about them using that curse on Canaan to justify slavery? Yes, the curse was that Canaan would be a slave, and they, they lump us under that curse, which blinds them to Genesis under the curse in Deuteronomy. And Japheth is going to uh, dwell in the tents of Shem. Ask yourself, if the Europeans are dwelling in the tents of Shem, who's in Israel right now? The Europeans. So those aren't the Israelites. We're going to get on all that. So join me tomorrow. Make sure you like this. Make sure you share it. Um, don't forget to grab your free book on blackhistoryinthebible.com. And until next time, I'm out.